Hey everybody, I got a question. What is the correlation between Einstein's relativity and relationships? You know, when I was young, I felt that, uh, and yes, I said it, when I was young. <laughs> God, that sounds horrible. Um, I felt that relationships were a thing that, you know, that should just happen and naturally and everything, you know, in a relationship, if it was meant to be should just happen naturally right and then if it didn't happen naturally well then it just wasn't meant to be anybody uh anybody resonate with that <laughs> but as i have gotten older and when i say as i got older probably geez mid 30s 40s perhaps you know we could say be safe and say around the 40s um is when I finally kind of started realizing that regardless what the relationship, you have to work at it. Yeah, it's uh, quite a revelation and, um, <laughs> and, and it's, it, it's easy to fall back into the old pattern of saying, well, you know, it's not working out, just wasn't meant to be. No, it may probably not be the case. What's the case is you just don't want to work that hard for that relationship. And, um, you know, you just have to admit to yourself how hard do you or are you willing to work for your relationship. And not while things are going well, but, you know, when, when times are rough. How hard are you willing to work on your relationship? Because I really have never met anyone that uh, didn't have to work on their relationship. That had a long-term relationship. In fact, the uh, uh, a good friend of mine who has been in a very long relationship for, for longer than I've been alive. Um, yeah, they, they had to work from morning to night on their relationship every day. It was... It was very challenging. He's one of my heroes. He's he's really the guy that helped me to understand that you have to work on your relationships, regardless of who it's with. Yeah, some might be easier than others, but, you know, it depends on the character that turns you on, right? And then are you willing to work hard, maintain a relationship? One, things aren't going well, and that happens with all of us, right? Things don't go well for us some days. It's just the nature of the beast of being, well, what we call human. All right, let's see what the day brings us. I hope everybody out there hears this in health and wealth and in good spirits. Integrity Radio. The next song is one of my favorite songs that I've written and recorded called Your Answer. I hope you like it. Let her act 
all the songs I've recorded, that's my favorite. And it's out of tune. It pro it's not even the recording. It's like the, the I that's the recording of making up the song and uh, the construction of the song. So it's not even a finished recording. I just love that song. It's with all of its flaws. I couldn't possibly record it any other way at this point. <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right, those two past clips were actually from Working Like a Woman. Um, and, <coughs> oh, pardon me. Yes, so uh, if you're not listening on Anchor, then you may have missed the story. But uh, Ronnie, my wife, uh, uh, told her story on anchor and um yeah that's what makes her my superhero uh, <laughs> and um if you if you get a chance and you can't hear this uh that story um i suggest you try to hear that story it's a great story when i met ronnie we hit on so many different levels one for love of dogs i'm a dog freak and then martial arts, I'm a martial arts freak. And um, and then, you know, music and art, culture, I mean, yeah, amazing. So uh, tied are we that it, <laughs> it really just means that we have more to argue about and more to be compassionate and... Um, emotionally off-centered <laughs> but we both love and are passionate about the same things so uh it's a good thing and uh, a challenging thing yes so thank you honey so much for sharing that story i love to hear that story i hope that story makes the podcast so i can listen to that story as my bedtime story every night Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I answer that one? I want to answer that one. Okay, if if you're not hearing this on Anchor, then uh, it's called rever reverence, reverence, influence, and reverence. Yes, that was the subject matter that was being brought up by Ronnie. And my, uh, my response to that is, yep, reptilian brain. Uh, that part of our brain is very ceremonial. Yep very uh <laughs> but uh I, I i saw it on tv on pbs so it's got to be true yeah the reptilian brain is responsible for that part of our behavior the uh amagabla the the uh amagama bajeep uh the amagabla damn what the amagabla the indigata devita uh yeah something like that that part of the brain we identify with icons as being ourselves. By putting you on a pedestal and telling you and pointing at you, I get to show everybody that I know what is right. I know what is good. I know what is best. It's a, do you see what I see? A star, a star, far off in the night. That's not the right lyrics. <laughs> We must bring him silver and gold. That's the story right there. <laughs>
All right, all kidding aside, yeah, there's the origins. All right, that's my two cents. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> Again, the topic is why do people uh, fall for rock stars and celebrities and sports stars? What's up with that? Hey, Anchor listeners, this is Z. The next track I'm going to play for you is, well, was, is, I guess, is, was, one of my favorite bands, Bomb, uh, a band that I was in, M Factor. Uh, they opened up for us, or did we open up for them? One or the other. Um, uh, in Alameda, back in the 80s. And, um, and this was the album that they were touring with. And I just love this album. It's just has a special place in my heart. Check it out. Rob, what are we having for lunch? Um, leftovers. Oh, that's right. We got leftovers. Uh, mom's chicken and her Mexican food. Well, I'm sure she wouldn't mind uh, us making use of that, right? Yep. Okay. So, uh, Anything else? Is that's not going to be enough for everybody, is it? I think there's two sausages, but a small brown. Sausages, and that's it. Yes. Yeah. And support. Mmm. Plenty of meat. How about uh? Oh, there's some veggies. We'll we'll save that for dinner. Huh? Oh, your stuff and. Some oh wow! Oh, okay, yeah, we got plenty of leftovers. There. Very good. So there you have it. Leftovers for lunch. Coming to you straight. Radio. <laughs> All right, we got about 15 minutes before lunchtime, and uh, I'm going to play another song for you that I wrote and recorded called Painting Smiles, keeping with the uh, art theme of the day. The band that I created to do this music with was called Smother Party. And and the band was really just catching up with my uh, old repertoire. And by the time we got to the new stuff that I was writing at the time, the band had already started breaking up. So um, it was very hard to get decent you know, recordings and performances of these songs. But I still love these songs, and I think uh, eventually I'll return to them and record them properly. Hopefully Ronnie will... Uh, help and even play on these songs with me. Okay, with no further ado, is that how they say it? Yeah, painting smiles.
Our next song is Raining on the Fire, written and recorded recorded by Z. You're listening to Integrity Radio.
right, this next song I'm going to play for you before we go to lunch. We got one more minute. So <laughs> I'm going to play a song called Wait to Tell. This is another one of those songs that I wrote and never got a chance to get a band together to play it. And then I ran into this guy in, uh, called Bob in Humboldt, and he helped me to record the whole thing. So Bob in Humboldt, whoever you are, you just took the money and ran. Uh, thank you for helping me uh, record this song, and thanks for doing a wonderful job. Um, all right, this one's called Wait to Tell. this woman who is more than my dull imagination could ever have invented and if she wasn't my physical intellectual 
an emotional equal, she would certainly be my superior in any of those categories. When I met her, I told my best friend that I was in love and he congratulated me and I said, no, you don't understand. I'm in love. I didn't know if this woman had, uh, you know, five kids and lived in the trailer park and worked at a, a restaurant or didn't work. I mean, <laughs> I had no idea who this person was, only that I was in love. Now, you probably know by now I'm a skeptic and I'm even a skeptic of love. But we got to know each other and it turned out that there was a mutual love for each other and the things that we do. We're both relatively new to this relationship, yet we both have pretty vast histories that come with age and experience. I could live for a million years and still not be able to tell her how much I love her and appreciate her. The 28-year-old Albert Einstein is still a patent office bureaucrat. It has been two years since he published his special theory of relativity. In 1907, Einstein agrees to write a new article explaining special relativity. It was called special relativity for a reason, and that was because it really only dealt with moving at constant speeds. Einstein realized that his theory failed for accelerations. But in our universe, everything accelerates. Einstein knows that for his theory to work, it has to account for everything in the universe. And the ambitious Einstein decides to advance an even more radical interpretation of the universe, a general theory of relativity. Doing this will require him to take on his scientific hero, Sir Isaac Newton. Newton said that if an object falls, it's because there's a mysterious force called gravity pulling it down. But you know, Isaac Newton himself was not satisfied by that. Objects move because they're pushed, not pulled. So what is pushing this? Newton didn't know. So Newton simply threw his hands up and said, I don't know. So I'm going to invent something called gravitational pull. And Einstein said, no, this theory can't be right. He's in his office at the patent office, looking out at the window, and he imagined a man working on a roof. And he begins to wonder what would happen if one of those men were to fall off the roof. He had a vision. The man will not actually be feeling his own weight. He would be weightless. And then he imagined if you're in an elevator and somebody cuts the cord, what happens to you? You fall. But the elevator falls at the same rate you do, so you are weightless inside the elevator. So then Einstein got it. There is no such thing as gravitational pull. The Earth has curved the space around me, and space is pushing me into this chair. Space itself can be curved. Why does the Earth go around the sun? Most people would say, well, the sun's gravity is yanking the Earth toward the sun in a circle. Wrong. 
The Earth is going around the sun because the sun has warped the space around the Earth and space is pushing, pushing the Earth toward the sun. He had a new theory of gravity, a new theory of the universe. General theory of relativity is one of the greatest achievements of the human mind. It is beautiful and simple and profound. And all the best theories of the universe are just that. Okay, so the question of the day, does Einstein's relativity in physics have any bearing in psychology? Well, I turned to an authority. No, an actual authority with a badge. I turned to a cop. Check it out. Hi. Has anybody ever explained to you Einstein's theory of relativity? Well, let me do it about simply as I can. Suppose we're in an airplane, and we're traveling at 550 miles an hour, and I decide I want to throw to you a little ball or a little stuffed chameleon. Well, I could throw it to you, and you'd catch it. Just like we were sitting in our living room, you would catch it. See, because we're going at the same speed, and motion is relative. And because we're in this fiery tube of motion going at the same speed, it seems like we're not moving at all. You see, if the outside of the plane wasn't there, and we were just traveling 550 miles an hour, our faces would be flapping. In fact, your face might even flap off. But because we're going at the same speed together in a closed capsule, it's like we're sitting at home, quietly and calmly. I think you can use this as a psychological health concept also. Sometimes in life when you're going 300 miles an hour at work, you're on a task force or you're working on a fire or something like that, and then you go home to family life and it's going much, much slower or it's going in a different direction. It's difficult for you to adjust. When you're in that fiery tube of work, sometimes it's hard to go home and play with the kids. It's hard to throw a ball back and forth. Life is in the adjustments. Relativity is a good rule for motion, but it's even a better rule for emotion. And the ability to slow down and to change direction will probably determine the quality of your life. You having trouble with it? Bilty. Yeah. Where are we at? Barnes and Nobles. Um, I just started to think about something. That's right. I got a brain. I could think sometimes, you know. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> I think there's there might be two kinds of people. You know, like those that when you bust out a coloring book, they like to color outside of the lines. And then there's some kind of people that like to color inside the lines. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What kind of person are you? Outside. You like color outside the lines? Yeah. See, that's what we have in common. I'm the same way. I like coloring outside the lines. But, uh, how about we'll ask our listeners. What do they like? Are, are they a color outside the lines or color inside the lines?
And that's what I love about painting. When you, you know, with painting, you don't have to color inside the lines or anything. I mean, you can, but. Yeah. What's that? Unless you make lines. Yeah, and then you can color within your own lines. But, yeah. Ever wonder why when they're making a sword, they keep pounding and pounding with a hammer? In fact, in any blacksmith shop, they would keep pounding the metal not only to shape it, but to make it stronger and stronger so it could withstand the task it was being asked to do. This is called peening, and compressing the molecules in the metal makes it harder and much, much stronger. When they made the first car, they used the peening process to make the car strong because they needed to be or else the car would fail. It became a real important function in the process of making car parts, but not quite as important as on airplanes where they used the peening process to ensure that wings stay on a plane. After they would weld the wings on a plane, they had to make sure they could withstand the bending that plane wings have to do when they catch the wind. I'm sort of glad they do that. Let me explain how this works. If you take a metal bar and start to bend it, you'll find that the bottom of the bar has a compression as it starts to bend. Essentially, the molecules in the bottom of the bar are pushed together, causing a compression. In the top of the bar, the molecules are being stretched apart. This is called tension. And when the molecules are farther apart, the bar becomes weaker. If you take any piece of metal and constantly bend it in both directions, it will become weaker and eventually you will find that it begins to break apart. But if it's a bar and it is bent in only one direction, the side with the tension is the area where it starts to break. The compressed side is protected because it's stronger from the compression. Now, if we could make the side with tension more compressed, it would last longer. So what they do in metallurgy is they hit the weak side with small pieces of shot to compress the tension side of things. Once a piece of shot makes an indentation, it compresses that area. So if you hit it with multiple pieces of shot, the whole side of the bar becomes compressed. It's called shot peening, and it's like the ball peen hammer that used to make swords strong. So essentially, both sides of the bar are compressed, and the bar is rock solid hard. That's why wings stay on planes, and car parts can run for miles. In nature, people go through a shot peening process throughout their life. They are slowly hit with pieces of bad information or things that they do not want to know. And those pieces of information are the shot that compress their personality. Once compressed, they can withstand greater and greater loads. But just as with metal, you can only withstand a certain amount of shot before you start getting weaker. Those pieces of shot in business might be contracts withdrawn or employees creating different types of stress. In psychology or medicine, it might be patients coming in and presenting problems over the years, or presenting problems you can't help them with. In law enforcement, it might be fatal accidents or shootings, or anything that can cause your blood pressure to rise through the roof. So be aware of where you are in the wear and tear process, and make sure you are not weakened. 
Be aware when you are shot peeing to almost the breaking point. And once you are aware, do the self-help that is necessary to get yourself back to where you can flex and be like the wings on an airplane or the sword of a samurai. Thanks for listening to Integrity Radio. Be sure to visit me at www.sifuz.com and visit me on Twitter at Sifu underscore Z.